Hello, you're listening to CZ and Movies. My name is Colin. I am the C. Joining me as ever is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Hey, Colin. We are nearing our 100th episode. We are. Episode 98 today. It's insane. What, oh, we've come so far. Do you remember episode one? It was, it was it was a while back. It was a very long podcast as well. Of course, we were long? It was Captain America's Civil War, wasn't it? How far we've come since uh, Captain America's Civil War. I know. We should be talking about this in two episodes time though. Mm. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be going through this again. That's, ju- <laughs> that's true. Uh, today we're talking about the film Bombshell. Um, we're also... Uh, what else are we doing? Well, we're talking about 12 Years a Slave. We're doing a quiz on the films written by Charles Randolph. Which I'd completely forgotten to do that. Um, I, yes. don't know, I've got my questions. I just forgot to, you know, revise. Uh, but first, Zijan, before we do any of that stuff, you know what? Mm-hmm. You know what it's time for. Is it lots and lots of news? Lots and lots of news is where we begin. And well, it was it was the Super Bowl, which means two things. Uh, one, some football thing happened. Thing happened, and it's not really football. It's American fans. football. Um, yeah. And secondly, lots of trailers. Yeah, Thirdly, but we don't really talk about trailers here, do we? Uh, not really. A third thing, just to show we're topical. Um, it was won by the Kansas City Chiefs. What what American state would you think Kansas City is in? Kansas? So would I. So, in fact, would Donald Trump. But apparently, it's in Missouri. What's going yeah. on there? Yeah. I, I, I've stopped uh, trying to figure out why people name their cities the way they do. Okay. It's, uh, it's a waste of my time. Let's move away from American geography and move into trailers. Uh, <laughs> not trailers, move into news. Not trailers, more news. news. What news uh, have you got? The BAFTAs happened last night. Uh, I say last night, meaning that this podcast uh, <laughs> is coming out on Wednesday, but we did our recording on Monday. Mm, um, time. Um, yes, uh, a wonderful concept. Uh, <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> We're both uh, in favour of time. Um, yes. uh, BAFTAs, uh, unsurprisingly, or surprisingly, um, there were not many surprises when it came to the Big Five Awards or Big Six Awards. Like, I think they shared most of the same prizes as the Golden Globes and the Screen Actor Guild Awards as well. Yeah, it's, it's got to that time of the awards season where we, we basically know who's going to win everything. Uh, yeah, but most of, like, I think in like some previous years, like last year, I don't think anyone um, imagined Green Book for winning Best Picture, for example. That's true, but I think yeah, nineteen seventeen's won the BAFTAs, won Best Picture, won Best Director. Uh, I think, I, I think it was between, I said before it was between that and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, it was always more likely to win a BAFTA because he's Sam Mendes is British. Mm. Um, I still think there's a possibility that uh, the Academy will will uh, surprise everyone and go for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just because it's a film about Hollywood. <laughs> it's also, I mean, it's a very good film, but. Uh, we have to say 1917 is the favourite at the moment. I also think it's one of those few years where the top four acting categories are quite solid and certain by now. It's like that. It's not like Joaqu- so. Joaquin Phoenix is going to be best actor. And yep. Renee Zellweger is best actress. I, yep. It's it's hard to see anyone else going to pick their position I, at this I point think that's, in time. That's pretty clear. Um, yeah. yeah. Best supporting actor Brad Pitt seems to be picking up all the awards. Yeah, uh, on to, uh, uh, you know, and beating up Joe Pesci. Yeah, I mean that's, I mean that is a bit of a surprise to me. I, I, I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I thought it was very good, but I didn't come away thinking, "What a great Brad Pitt performance!" I thought he was, he was, he was very good as part of the the whole. But I thought it was more likely to pick up a screenplay award, say, or, or even a director's award. I, I didn't come away thinking that Brad Pitt was the was the big takeaway from that film. So mm. I'm a little bit surprised he's getting yeah ahead of Joe Pesci or even ahead of. Um, 
uh, Anthony Hopkins and the two popes, which I thought might, might stand a chance. Yeah, well, and then Laura Dern for Best Supporting Actress. She was very good. Yeah, but I think it's, it has been, wow, I can't remember the last Oscars where all four acting categories have been so confirmed. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel that every year, by the time you get to Oscar, like, you more or less know who's going to win, and, it, mm. and there's a few few surprises along the way. Well, we shall see. We shall see if there's any uh, any upsets. But they say the BAFTAs more or less went to form. Um, I was pleased to see that Best British Film was logical this year because sometimes you get a British film that wins and then doesn't win Best British Film. Like, uh, how, how is it the best film but not the best British film when it's a British film? That always annoys me. But this time... <laughs> They're the same film. 1917, one of seven awards that it picked up. I, I liked it when uh, Hugh Grant presented um, the award to Renee Zellweger and uh, made a comment about her uh, Bridget Jones days as well. Mm, yes. I d- did he present it to her? I thought he presented the next one. But anyway, he did. Yes. How lovely. Uh, well done, Hugh. Uh, we've got more Mission Impossible casting news. Sorry, yes. are, are we done with the BAFTAs? <laughs> I think we are. I think cool. we are. Um, and the latest is, I can't remember, I've actually got the actor's name down, but the guy who played Kittredge in the first Mission Impossible is coming back. So he was the um, the IMF director in the first one who thought that Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise, was, uh, was, had gone rogue or was, was, a, was the traitor. And they had that famous scene where they're um, in a restaurant together. Then Tom Cruise blows up a uh, fish tank. It's Henry Zerny. Thank you. Good research. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, he's back. One of us has to do it. Yep. Not not me this week. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's nice whether it's kind of paying uh, respects or, or not, uh, kind of keeping in line with previous films. I think so. Uh, it's always been a bit ambitious to have two Mission Impossible films uh, lined up rather than just the next one. But yeah. given the the, the um, how much I love the last one, to be fair, uh, I'm quite happy. So mm, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's I was thinking actually, this is probably the first time that people have really been looking forward to a Mission Impossible film. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fallout was great though. Fallout, Fallout was, one, was great. One of the best films in that year that I saw. It's amazing. I, think, I mean, because. I was looking through. I mean, maybe Mission Impossible Two people were excited by, and then it was it was pretty bad. But uh, it's kind of yeah. When Fallout came out, everyone kind of realised, wait a minute, Mission Impossible is the best action franchise around, um, and just no, we just never noticed it before, which I think is incredible. <laughs> um, speaking about two new films coming for a franchise, Transformers. Oh boy! Is, yeah. Well, you like Bumblebee, though. I did like Bumblebee. Yeah, they are developing two new movies for a whole franchise revamp. So one of them will be based on the Beast Wars uh, Transformers uh, TV series, where instead of transforming into vehicles, the 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 Transformers actually become animals instead. Is this like a Furby? No, No. (laughs) they become like mechanical animals. I don't know you. Um, yeah, I was going to say you watched, you've seen any of the Transformers films, but you definitely didn't. And you didn't I die. saw the first one. It was yeah, rubbish. I think in one of the later ones, there were dinosaur. Oh, uh, I saw the trailer, yes, Dinobots or something. Dinobots, yeah. So it's going to be on a similar vein. Um, I watched Beast Wars when I was younger. It's one of my favorite TV series when I grew up. You're not going to make me watch this, are you? No, I'm not going to make us watch this. <laughs> I've not seen any Transformers <laughs> films since the first one, so definitely not. Did you not see Bumblebee? No, I have not. Oh, watch Bumblebee, it's great. It's on Netflix, I think, so I think I'll probably is, check yeah, out. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yes, and isn't there a, is the other one a Bumblebee spin-off? I have no idea. I did hear something like that. Mm. Um, although, albeit, 
I don't think Haley Steinfeld's coming back, so I'm not sure what they're doing with that. And you're not going to watch it if Haley Steinfeld's not in it, right? Um, she was certainly a big draw because I think she's a great actress, and Travis Knight is a great director. So, so, so it depends. If Travis Knight's doing it again, I might watch it. Okay. If it's just if it's gone for hire, I might not bother. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Michael Bay again, unless it's James Gunn for hire, in which case I'm in. Okay, cool. Um, mean Girls. You've seen the film. I love Mean Girls. You may know there's a musical. I do know there's a musical. You will therefore be excited to know that there's going to be a musical film. The, uh, oh, wow. the film based on the musical based on the film. Uh, Tina oh. Fey is bringing this to our screens, apparently. Oh, of course, it's Tina Fey. I love Tina Fey. Um, mm. Don't get me wrong. I love her in Dirty Rock. She's one of the best. Well, she was one of the best comedians out there. Um, yeah, but Mean Girls. First of all, the musical is quite recent. Yeah. It only came out like a couple of years ago, so um, I think it's more done for you know the fan base more than anything else. Mean Girls have a very, very, very strong fan base. Um, and I've heard the music from the musical before. It's not one of the best um, no, music I've, ever I've written for it. a musical. Yeah, it's written by uh, Tina Fey's husband. Oh, I see. Nepotism. He's, oh, he's, yeah. he's a, a composer. Um, so it's, it's not the best thing uh, out there. Um, but uh, I don't know when I'll watch it. I think I'd would rather watch Mean Girls again than to watch the musical. They made Mean Girls too. Um, they did. I, I don't think Tina Fey was involved, was she? No, I don't think she was. You know, I don't like 30 Rock. I don't get it. No? No, I watched like the first two episodes and this just isn't funny. Ah. Uh, missing out a lot, Colin. Maybe you should keep going on. It's like Parks and Rec. It gets better. It's like our podcast. Yeah, it's like our podcast. It's like... After the first hundred episodes, it really, really takes off. <laughs> uh, only our listeners can tell us that. Mm. Give us a rating on iTunes or something. That's a yes. thing people can do, right? Definitely. Five stars. Five out of five. Five out of five. That's uh, you, heard it, you heard it here first. Dijan rates our podcast five out of five. Um. Only the best. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, Captain Marvel 2 has gotten a writer and a release date as well. Oh, yeah. Well, not a specific date, but a release year. So it'll be in cinemas in 2022. Okay. It'll be written by um, Megan McDonald, who is uh, writing for Wonder Vision, the Disney Plus one, which I saw the trailer for on. Uh, Wait a minute, this is you bringing up Disney Plus. You get. Um, I thought it was usually me who gets brings up Disney Plus, and then you well, Colin, bring something out. I, I, has it finally worked? As well now. <laughs> Lovely. I, yeah, I saw the trailer as well. It looks great. It looks great, yeah. Um, so, Wonder Vision will introduce uh, Monica Rombo who, if you do not know, is the daughter uh, in the first Captain Marvel, which I think I've mentioned to you before, um, who turns out to be another version of Captain Marvel in the future. So is Monica is the daughter of... Uh, what's her name? The, um, the best friend was... of Captain Marvel. Yeah, I thought she was Monica. She's no, else. no, no. It's okay. the daughter. Yeah, because, first of all, it takes place in 1991, right? The the, the early 1990s, the, the Captain Marvel, the first Captain Marvel film. Yes, so yes. I imagine that um, when she comes back, um, there will be a grown-up um, Monica coming back to welcome her. Mm. And she's, a, she's actually a, um, a proper superhero in the Marvel comics as well. Because we don't know when Captain Marvel 2 is set, do we? No, we don't know. Whether they'll do a Wonder Woman and just keep filling in the gaps or whether they'll jump to... I imagine they'll probably jump to present day. They should do, right? Mm. I don't think so. You know how everyone worldwide loves Disney live-action films? Yeah, okay. <laughs> go with it. I, I speak for everyone. Yep. Yeah, 
Uh, they're making more of them. Um, of course we, they are. Of course they are. Oh, boy. Um, Bambi is coming to live action. And by live action, I mean computer animated, almost certainly. Unless they're actually going to get real deer. <laughs> and kill a real deer. And kill a real deer. <laughs> Every take. Um I'd watch that. Um, <laughs> Would you really? Come? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe not. But um, so we're getting a Bambi, which well, it's fine, and we're getting a Pinocchio, which uh, Robert Zemeckis will be directing. Oh. Um, he, of course, best known for Back to the Future, Forrest Gump, um, but also has done many, many other things, uh, including things like Polar Express uh, and Christmas Carol, where he went nuts with. Uh, computer CGI. graphic that wasn't quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's ready, so he's he's back, Pinocchio. Uh, well, you know, as much as I'm a big fan of Disney and its animated I films, I all I can do is yeah, I, I'm not really looking forward to any of these. Um, I think they're ruining my childhood. One <laughs> one <laughs> film by a time. <laughs> I think actually, I think this is increasingly. The, the, I think Disney might be in for a shock because I know Lion King made a billion dollars or something but i think the general consensus is we've had enough of these live action movies so the fact that they keep churning them out i think they're diminishing returns probably yeah i i'm exhausted like i really am and <laughs> this is coming from a big this like you've got to watch fan. two two-hour films a year it's exhausting stuff i know it is it is it's just exhausting watching a film and remembering how good it was yeah. Just being disappointed every single time. And but Pinocchio was never that good anyway, was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> there you go. I agree it's got, that, that, it's got that song about uh, believing in yourself. Uh, wishing upon a star. That's the one. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, Bradley Cooper's uh, Leonard Bernstein film. Oh, yes. Yeah, is heading to Netflix. Oh. Yeah, uh, which means that Steven Spielberg who is a lifelong Netflix hater, is actually producing a film Ooh. in Netflix. What do you think is a lifelong Netflix hater? I don't, I, I don't think he was hating Netflix in the 80s, was he, before it existed? Uh, no, probably not. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we know how much he hates Netflix. Um, I think he would say that he doesn't, but, uh, but he certainly had a beef to pick with them. A beef to pick them? That's not a thing. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he, he's going to swallow his words soon, given how many big directors are moving on to this platform. Did he not direct something for, or write something rather, for Quibi? Is it Quibi? There's some weird app thing that produces five-minute horror segments. I, I think he wrote something for it. I may be getting things. Oh, there was another one which only played at night. Okay. Was that, was that the same thing? Something that you, could only, you watch on your phone and it would only play if it was dark. You're asking the wrong person here, Colin. Is that anyway, the first time I've heard of this? What I'm, I'm saying uh... is that Spielberg is a huge hypocrite. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I know you can fight me. Uh, he, he, so Leonard Bernstein, mm-hmm. presumably was Jewish, which which Bradley Cooper is not, as far as I'm aware. That seems that seems odd. I don't know. I, I don't, don't think th- you need to be Jewish to do a Jewish a film about well, a Jewish man. I mean, to, to play someone who's Jewish, don't you need to be Jewish? Is he playing him? I thought he was playing him. Is he not playing him? I thought he was just directing. Uh, oh, in which sure. case, go go nuts, mate. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm probably happy with directing films about Jewish people, but I think <laughs> playing them seems that you should... Anyway, whatever. Who knows? There, was, there were two competing Leonard Bernstein films a while back, but I, think, I assume the one's not happening anymore. Mm, you think so, right? By given the lack of any imagination in Hollywood right now. 
Lethal Weapon 5, speaking of lack of imagination, Lethal Weapon 5 is closer than ever. Uh, have you seen the Lethal Weapons? Maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> Honestly, that's very cagey. It's like we've been like I'm interviewing you in police custody. <laughs> <laughs> they they all kind of blend into one, don't they? Yeah. Well, you had Mel Gibson had massive hair the first one, and then less so in the later ones. Well, they're still pretty big. Yeah. They, so they're talking about bringing this back. The last one was probably early nineties. Um, so Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, uh, Danny Glover, who in the first one was getting too old. Now here we are, thirty odd years later, whatever it is, uh, he's still going. Um, but apparently, we'll be. If it happens, will be directed by Richard Donner, who directed the other ones, who is eighty-nine years old. <laughs> I don't know what I would like to work when I'm eighty-nine years old. Have a rest, mate. I mean, eighty-nine. Jeez, like, how much energy do you need? You know, can do you have to actually yeah. work at eighty-nine though? Oh, I just want to do it at eighty-nine is just sit and watch Netflix or whatever iteration it will I'll be. I'll be long dead by eighty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, this is the man who directed the first Superman film. He's, he's, oh dear. Anyway, I don't think this is ever going to happen, but apparently someone said it might. So there you go. <sighs> I don't know who. Uh, there's no... I was wondering, because Joe Pesci is in three and four. Maybe three. he'll come back again. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, 89 is not, an, not you know, it's not a, a hurdle anymore, clearly. Uh, no. I mean, if they're going to do it, they better do it quick while he's still around, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> That's morbid. Um, <laughs> Matt Damon and James Mangold are reteaming again for a film uh, about the NYPD corruption and dirty cops called The Force. Hmm. So James Mangold has a habit of uh, bringing back people um, uh, in previous films, like uh, he had Hugh Jackman, he directed him in The Wolverine, and he brought him back for Logan. Oh, yes. uh, I mean, he, he, had, he was playing the same character. That's, that's true. He had Christian Bale, I think. Uh, I can't remember his first film that Christian Bale was in, but he brought him back for a fight versus Ferrari. Yes, this is um, full of holes, if you don't want me to say. Oh. A little bit, yeah. But, <laughs> but I hear uh, you. Keep going, the, keep going. He's doing the same for Matt Damon as well. There you go. Uh, okay, police corruption is is a, is a, is a uh, always a good film topic. Serpico, back in the day. That was mm-hmm. all right. Definitely. This isn't this isn't news, but I thought it was great. So I think I think our listeners should check it out. Um, you're a fan of Groundhog Day, right? No, yeah, uh, maybe. I don't think he aged very well. You lent me the film. Oh right, remember? Um, I did, didn't I? Yes. Yeah, you did, and I gave it back to you. By the way, one yes, of the few I, films I, that I've done. Unlike, few unlike most stuff I lend you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it was okay. I don't think he aged very well. Okay, I think it's brilliant. Uh, anyway, uh, check out the the advert for Jeep. Because this is not what this, seriously, seriously, we are not I, getting any money from this, Colin. Um, Why are we Jeep and not paying us? Um, but I'm saying check out the Jeep advert. No, uh, don't do this. Go on, if they give us money. No, <laughs> we're not promoting any other advertisements on this uh, on this podcast. Okay. We are advertisement free podcast, right? Unless anyone wants to pay us, in which case, I'm happy to take money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh. Check it out. We have low standards, Colin. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, um, well, anything so else? With that non-news, I'm going to end this uh, news segment with the best news of all. Oh, yeah. And this is unlike all the other news that you come up with at the end of our segment, which all are right. horrible news, but this is <laughs> legitimately the best news segment of all. Oh, this is going to be terrible, isn't it? No, it's not. Netflix UK has secured the whole Studio Ghibli catalogue. It has, it has. 
And for those who don't know Studio Ghibli, uh, they are basically... Oh, it's Ghibli. It's not Ghibli. Oh, Ghibli, yeah. They are Japanese animated films, which are really, really good. Like, insanely good. So things like Spirited Away, which is probably the most well-known one, and I think won um, the Oscar for Best Animated Film. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, My Neighbor Totoro. They're all wonderful films. And they're now on Netflix for everyone to watch, which well, means, they're not, Colin... They're not all there yet, but... Uh... Yeah, they're not all there yet, but... The first seven have come on, I think. Ah, nice. Uh, I can't wait to watch them. Which means, Colin, that... Yes. Bear in mind, that's going to be a quiz coming soon. All right. <laughs> which is all going to be... Just a forewarning about Studio Ghibli films. Did, didn't we do a quiz on them? No, we didn't. No? no. Well, you'll be pleased to know I've already added... Um, I've already added two of them to my Netflix list. So nice. Already, which ones? Uh, was it my... my is it my cousin... My Neighbor Totoro, yeah. Yeah, And uh, Howl's Moving Castle, I think. Ah, good, good. I'm so pleased, Colin. I'm very pleased. Um, I mean, this is going to make an anticlimax when I tell you that Hugo Wheeling will will not be back for Matrix 4. That's my last one. Why do you end this podcast? (laughs) Why do you do something with that? Um, I've actually got a long list of people who won't be in Matrix 4. What a downer. Um, Do you want to move on to our next segment, CJ? Yes, let's do it. (laughs) It's to see or not to Z, uh, where we tell you the list of films that we've recently seen and tell you whether you should see them or not Z them. Zijan. Hello. Hit me. So, I saw a film called Little Monsters. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of this film before? Uh, yes. I feel so, like I have. If I kiss. So I've, I've not heard of this film until you know it popped out on the telly. It came out last year. It starred uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Josh Gad. Okay. Um, and it's a zombie comedy film. Oh, yes. No, I think... Yes, it's not like it's all. I think I've seen a poster, but that's it. Ah, uh, yeah. So Lupita plays a kindergarten teacher who went on a school trip with uh, little kids and then a zombie outbreak is happening. Classic. Very classic. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I like it uh, because it's very different. It's very fresh. Because zombie outbreaks films, there are so many of them. And they are all the same. Shaun of the Dead was the rare exception where it felt... You know, it was, it was different. Okay. And this is one of those films which is also very different as well. And there were bits which were very, very funny in this film. And was, it, was it scary? No, not at all. No. The zombies were like the, the slow meandering type that, okay. you know, um, you can easily dodge them and beat them up to a pulp. That's what Lupita, <laughs> Lupita's character did quite easily. So it's not scary by any means necessary. Um, yeah, it's quite jolly, I would say. Um, and I like it because it's different. Which is quite rare nowadays in Hollywood. Mm. So this is on Netflix, was it? Or? Uh, I can't remember where I watched it on. It was definitely on telly. It was definitely yeah. not in the cinema. It could be on Netflix. Um, let me check it out and get back to you. I would. Have, it's probably not going to be uh, on on uh, terrestrial television. This yeah, year. because it came out last year, so mm. must be on Netflix. Well, check it out if you do. Uh, I went to the the cinema uh, to oh, see the cinema. The cinema, so posh. I know. I like us Netflix people. <laughs> I went outside um, to see a beautiful day in the neighbourhood. Um, the story of a journalist played by Matthew Reese, who is interviewing Fred Rogers, Mister Rogers, uh, as played by Tom Hanks, who has been Oscar nominated for his performance. Um, it's if you are American. You know who Fred Rogers is. Uh, if you are not, you may well not know. So I, I'd vaguely heard of him, and I think there's a documentary a couple of years ago which I haven't seen, but I've added to my Netflix queue because that's on Netflix um, about him, which kind of put him into the, uh, the headlines of it. Uh, 
but he's basically a, a, a children's TV host, mm-hmm. um, but like the most beloved person in America. And there isn't really an equivalent in this country because I don't think we've got like beloved TV presenters, but they tend not to have had such long careers um, and like affected so many people. And basically just the nicest guy in the world. Uh, so who do you get to play the nicest guy in the world? You get Tom Hanks, um, obviously. Of course, yep. Uh, what with him, I think we've talked about this before, but basically because he is the nicest guy in the world, the film isn't based around him because there's not much drama in just him going around being nice to everyone. Um, so you've got the journalist who's basically, well, who describes himself as broken and he's t- taking this interview to, uh, basically he's, he's forced to do it. Um, but he's thinking, oh, there must be more to this than meets the eye. Yep. And, and Mr. Rogers basically changes his life by getting to deal with his, his demons and what have you. It's a good film. Uh, it's, I think, I'm a little bit surprised of all the kind of five-star reviews. I think it's one of those things that if you know Mr. Rogers and love Mr. Rogers, this film will mean a lot more to you, I think. Okay. Uh, watching it, not really knowing who he is, I was like, well, yeah, it's, it's great performance. Tom Hanks is very good in it. I've no idea if he's anything like Fred Rogers, but it's a, it's a good performance regardless. Matthew Reese is very good as well. Um, but, it, I mean, it's a tale of a guy who gets his life falling apart and he puts it together through kindness. And I think, well, that's quite nice, but it's not exactly groundbreaking. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say you have to rush out and see this, to be honest. Okay. Um, uh, unless you are American, in which case, go for it. Um, <laughs> so no, then. <laughs> not your, I'm not just talking to you, Zijan, I'm talking to our listeners. Well, our many merry American listeners. Mostly who, Australian, our listeners. Uh, and Australian. Yeah, feel free to watch it if you're Australian. Although, if you are American, this came out like two months ago for you, so you probably have seen it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> so, um, tell you what else I watched, Zijan. Mm. Uh, oh, I two watched, films this time, right? I got two films. I watched Miss Americana on Netflix. What? Uh, I've not heard of this. Which is a Taylor Swift documentary. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> it's made some headlines. It's basically, uh, it's a story of her, her last album, but with uh, more footage from when she was a kid. And it's basically uh, her opening up about the, the pressures of fame and her eating disorder and, and difficulties with um, her relationships with people and sexual harassment and things. It's quite, um, uh, what's not it's not really what's not but it's, it's quite um emotional there's you see behind the scenes with her fighting with her, her parent or her father in particular it was um it's quite short it's an hour and 20 mm-hmm. but quite illuminating so if you like taylor swift you've probably you already do. watched it and i do like taylor swift so i have watched it uh if you don't like taylor swift i don't think this will necessarily change your mind but it might make you feel a little bit bad about all the nasty things you've said about her who says nasty things about her uh millions of people <laughs> I'm indifferent about Taylor Swift, but I have to give credit when credit's due. She manages to make herself relevant and stay relevant for a long period of time. I'm sure most singers fail. Yeah, no, she's still, I mean, she's only 30, but she's still going strong. Yeah, um, but she started very young though. And I, I, during her entire career, I've seen so many singers you know, rise and fall multiple times in her, her career and she's still going strong. So uh, props to her. Yep. And she loves the English. So, um, well done, her. <laughs> That's a one takeaway from that. That's my one takeaway. Um, I, I took that away from the song London Boy, where she sings, I love the English. That's, that's the, uh, the subtle message I took from that. <laughs> um, we move on, Zijun. We move on to our main segment of the day, talking about the film Bombshell. Every year, at least for the last two years, um, we put aside blockbusters and we... Focus on one film that's in Oscar contention that will not win anything. That's yeah. <laughs> that's bombshell. Last year it was uh, Mary Queen of Scots. Mary Queen of Scots, which kind of died without a trace, and we've 
really struggled to say much about if I remember rightly. Both um, stars Margot Robbie, though. Also Margot Robbie. Also, yeah, for, for a film starring Margot Robbie and Saoirse Ronan, um, it really died with a whimper, that one. Mm, um, this one, I, I say it will win nothing, uh, win nothing. I'm sure it'll win a hair and makeup award at the Oscars because it's winning that in most places. Uh, but do you want to set the scene for us? Yep. Uh, so a film directed by Jay Roach uh, and written by Charles Randolph because he is in our quiz later. Um, him, yeah. It stars Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie and John Lefko. And it's based on the Fox News women exposing Roger Ailes, who is the, I think, the head of Fox, uh, Fox Media um, and for his sexual harassment. Um, so Charlize Theron plays uh, Megan, Car- Megan Kelly. Uh, Nicole, K- who is, uh, for those who don't know, um, who are not in the US, is a real life, um, was a real life Fox anchor. Uh, there's Nicole Kidman, who plays, was it Gwen, Gwendolyn? Uh, Gretchen. Oh, Gretchen, yeah. yeah. Gretchen Carlson. Gretchen Carlson. And Margot Robbie plays, um, a hey, brand new Kayla character. Who is a character, uh, created for this film, but it's based on a lot of accounts, real life accounts of real life, uh, uh, real life women kind of a composite character yeah. exactly yeah and John Lifko plays obviously uh, Ro- Roger Ailes the head head guy yeah. um, and we have uh, key support from uh, Kate McKinnon um, mm. as well be it she's not as high profile as those four uh, this is this is a film I guess a bit like Mr. Rogers in, in one way that it's very American it definitely um, is and and again, it's difficult to kind of get your head around some of this uh, if you're if you're British, and I guess probably you're, if uh, if you grew up with Malaysian television, um, mm-hmm. everyone probably knows this. But but Fox News obviously is, is a very right wing television station in America. Yep. Uh, CNN or MSNBC are the kind of the left wing um, equivalents. They, unlike in this country, they make no secret of their their leanings. So. In this country, um, in England, we have the or Britain, we have the BBC, which is uh, left wing state broadcaster. Well, um, I think they they strive very hard to be impartial, as centrist as possible. But yeah, it's not really, though. Um, and I think yeah, I, I think they're a little bit left centre. Um, some of our listeners, hi Darren, uh, will disagree. <laughs> Um, and think a lot of people think they're quite right of centre. I think that's because they try as much as possible not to be either, and therefore they offend everyone in some way or other. Um, very different in this situation. So there's there's a bit where Margaret Robbie's character. I'm going to I'm going to refer to the actresses most of the time because Kayla Pospisil is too hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, "I think yeah, our news is very straight down the line, but our our, our opinion is very right wing, and that's great. And that's kind of not in this country. I think arguably." Arguably, Channel Four maybe is a bit a bit further to the left, but whereas in in newspaper journalism we're very clear. So you've got the Telegraph and the Mail and the, and the Sun and the Express on one side. You've got the Mirror and the Guardian uh, on the other. Television is not like that at all. So it's, it's that's the first thing to get your head around, I guess, mm-hmm. in this film. Um, Megan Kelly is is very well known. I I, uh, I must have, the first time I heard of her, I think was when Donald Trump tweeted about her, uh, which is in the film as well. Yes, uh, I didn't know much about her, to be honest, um, before watching the film. Although I, I watched some of the her clips afterwards oh, yeah. um, on YouTube just to... Yeah, because... Um, so one thing that I have to uh, say right out of the bat right now um, is that... So a lot of critics say that Charlize Theron's um, performance of Megan Kelly is uncanny. Hmm. Um, and her transformation, like 
it's basically it's unrecognizable. So I I had to look at the real life Megan Kelly yeah. just to compare, <laughs> and it's true though they both sound the same. It's this, I, it's spot on, isn't it? I mean, it sounds the same, look the same. Everything um, looks. It's Charlize yeah. Theron is, yeah, wow, <laughs> what a transformation, honestly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta say she's she's phenomenal. It's not her first time for a big transformation. Obviously, she won the Oscar no. for. Monster, Monster yeah. Back in the day, um, Nicole Kidman. I, I don't know what Gretchen Carlson. I think I, I saw a couple of clips, but I don't think she's anywhere near as well known. Um, so I, I, the transformation is not so pronounced. Although the, the prosthetics, in that case, are a little distracting. If I, I found the prosthetics really thrown a bit distracting at first, you kind of get used to it. For uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, but well, I, I got used to it for, for for both of them, I guess. But Nicole Kidman, it just her face is clearly prosthetic. I guess. You um, think you'll be used to it after watching the hours. That's true. That's true. She got an Oscar for that. But these are both actresses who got one Oscars for transformations, clearly uh, trying to go back. Margot Robbie did not transform at all. Uh, at least not physically. <laughs> just um, looks like Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. I think as, as well as as well as the political side, there's also a lot of shorthand in this film. Things like every single female news anchor is blonde. That's, I mean, that's a Fox News thing that you, you don't get onto Fox News without being, uh, as a woman, without being blonde, which I guess is partly why it's called bombshell, as in the phrase <laughs> blonde bombshell. Yep. Uh, but it's kind of thing they don't dig too deep into explaining directly, but you kind of expected to know. Like I saw a picture on ago of kind of every female Fox News anchor in, in like one, like was it five by five shots? They, they all essentially look the same. <laughs> it's, um, it's kind of weird. I just. I, the reason I guess I'm doing all this politic, political stuff, and we don't really talk politics on this on this podcast much, is um, a lot of it is either assumed knowledge or they try and catch you up very quickly at the beginning. Mm. But I do wonder if this film has the same impact when as a foreigner to coming to it compared to if... Like, if they made a film about the BBC, I would come to it with kind of a preconceived idea of the BBC. Whereas if yep. I was from a different country and they had to try and explain the BBC in in five or ten minutes at the start of a film... I think that's quite tricky to do. Well, I, I do get where you're coming from. Like, um, but I I did go in watching this film knowing that Fox News is a very right wing hmm. um, news channel. So, um, and I mean the trailers alone already help cement that idea re- okay. without having to explain that. Um, I'm not too sure this kind of films will be popular. No, I think it's done pretty badly actually. Elsewhere, mm. like um, I'm, I was telling my mom about this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and she was like, what film is this? Why, <laughs> why are we talking about this? But, yeah, I mean, I think it's even done pretty badly in America. So it's, um, uh, which, yeah, as you say, in, international. I mean, I can't see this being a hit in, yeah, in China. Um, no, definitely not. Um, uh, what I do find also funny is that clearly, like most of Hollywood, this film is made by Democrats or, le- or people who are, who are more left-wing. I'd say, I'd say I haven't done the full analysis, but I imagine that there's more left-wing people making this film than right-wing people. Uh, and and I did find it amusing that they made up a, this. Um, the reason I mentioned these uh, Kate McKinnon character, she is a uh, a Democrat, a Hillary fan, a lesbian, um, who just happens to be working at Fox News. She's a completely invented character. This person doesn't exist at all. Yep. And it's almost as a kind of a oh, we need to have a good guy in there. That's therefore they have to be a Democrat, which I thought was um, odd. Uh, and again, I. And Megan Kelly has come in for a lot of criticism from left-wing people, and they showed some clips. There was a clip in the in the film that's based on a true thing where where she talked about Father Christmas being white, for uh-huh. example. Yep. 
Um, I think this is a tricky one because obviously she's a victim. Uh, and this this is, although this was made before the Me Too movement or something that was in development before the Me Too movement, I think it's very much a, a Me Too film. Yep, definitely. Um, I don't think it's... I don't think it's a subtle enough film to to really tread that line of we disagree with some of her opinions, but she, but she's a victim in this situation. So we so should I, feel some sympathy for her. Yeah, as well. I feel it's a little bit more broad brush, and they just decided she's a good guy. Um, mm. That might be harsh. I don't know. I, jumping, I guess, to my feelings, I, I I thought the actors in this are very good, but the script was a little um, unsophisticated. I guess. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I think you you've touched on the subject that a lot of critics have been saying about this film. Um, that it's quite sanitary. Okay. If that's the thing, that it doesn't go into as much detail as they could have. Okay. Um, that's why I've been reading about critics. Uh, uh, for for from my point of view, and coming into this film not knowing much about it, I thought it did a decent job. I enjoyed the film myself. Mm. Um, I don't know how much, you know, more specific that you can go into this film. I mean, uh, without I mean, this is a very uncomfortable subject. I sure. mean, we're talking about sexual harassment yes. in the workplace. Yeah. Two guys not, talking about this. In the, yes, but exactly. I, it's I, not I, really like the most um, film-friendly subject as well, I would say. And especially in this current climate. Um, and I thought they, they managed to capture most of it um, quite well on this film. And I, I have to say, I felt very upset <laughs> while watching okay. this film. Yeah. Yeah, and, and felt very strongly for the, the, the protagonist. So And I think that's what it's it's trying to do. So it, it reminded me of the big short in some ways, which which um Charles Randolph also co wrote indeed, but uh in that that was a film that was basically just trying to make you angry. And and it worked for a lot of people, including myself actually, but um it was basically saying, Look at these bad people doing these bad things. This I feels like the same kind of idea as saying yes. look at Fox News, look at Roger Ailes in particular, look at his bosses aren't they bad people and i'm i'm not disagreeing with any of that i think it's something we should be getting angry about but it doesn't necessarily for me make the most interesting or or, or as i was sophisticated as the word i use film when it's it's saying look at these bad people and look at these victims Mm. um i felt there was perhaps more that could have been done and and there were there were moments um so i don't know I've not, not actually, I've not really done spoilers, non spoilers, because it doesn't feel like that kind of film. But, um, but if anyone does want to avoid knowing plot points, then then skip ahead to the next section. But the there's a particular scene right at the end where you f- you kind of get this um, Megan Kelly and Kayla Pospisil, so Margaret Robbie and, and Charlize Theron, I think for the first time probably interacting with each other, mm-hmm. and you get this kind of back and forth where Megan Kelly says, "Oh, it's not up to me to protect you," and Margaret Robbie says, "Yes, it is. It was up to you to protect all of us." And you get this back and forth with neither of them backing down. Or yes. Missing. And to me, that was the most interesting scene, or probably the most interesting scene in the film, where you actually say, okay, well, we all know who the bad guy is here. It's Roger Ailes and, and his bosses. But uh, let's look at the actual human responses, which aren't just these people are good, these people are bad. Um, okay. And I find it interesting that Megan Kelly actually has talked about that scene, saying that she feels it's victim-blaming. Um, yes, I've seen that mm, as well. And she said written by a man very pointedly but I think it's it I would have liked to have more scenes for example Margaret Robbie's character she's very ambitious she wants to have her own show she's prepared to do whatever it takes and then she finds out that actually she's whatever it takes is, is more than she thought and she's being um, abused harassed by this guy I would have liked to have seen scenes where she was kind of saying well 
can I get out now? Is is it? Do I really want this? Where, but it's kind of all assumed. Oh. As you okay. say, difficult topic to talk about. But um, I just found it would have been more interesting, even if the conclusions are conclusions are exactly what they should be, to have some sort of um, quandary along those lines. Hmm. Anyway, there you go. Yeah, well, I have to just mention that Margot Robbie's scenes are all heartbreaking, by the way. Yeah, I mean, she's she's great in this. And particularly that scene where she, and again, I don't want to go into too many details, but um, where, she, where she's called into Roger Ailes' office and, and he... Yeah, that uh, was just... Yeah, he just wants to see her legs. Uh, I think she played that so well. Oh, um, she did. Speaking on safer ground uh, of, of um, <laughs> more filmic things, I thought a very odd decision in the first few minutes to show clips of the real people and then never do that again. Did you? Oh, did it? I couldn't remember. So right at the end, they show the John Lithgow and then they show the real Roger Ailes. Huh. And th- why are you, why on earth are you doing that? Um, I, I know it's quite, you quite often finish films like that over the credits, but, huh. and then they never did it again. So when they had like f- TV footage of, of Megan Kelly, they used Charlie's Theron. When they had newspaper articles, they used John Lithgow. But for the first few scenes, they're like, here's the real guy, here's the real one. Like, what, what, what was that about? Huh. I, I don't recall it at all. <laughs> no, fine. <laughs> that's, that's how much, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't recall it at all. And by the way, right, John Lithgow played Winston Churchill on The Crown. Yes. And every time I see him, I was like, why is Winston <laughs> Churchill looking so... <laughs> Creepily at women. He, he must have worn a. Did he wear a fat suit for Winston Churchill? Yeah, he did. And he's got an even fatter suit for Roger. Yeah, Ayers. exactly. Mm. And then Winston Churchill was also like not a really fit person, was he? Uh, yes. No, not not his later years. His um, later years, yeah. So <laughs> the whole time, half the time, I was watching it like, ah, so Winston Churchill goggling at young, uh, young. Huh. I thought Jonathan goes very good actually I think I, I like the way that he kind of played it as if he was a victim which may be how the real Roger Ailes feels and it's clearly not the case but I, I thought that was an interesting take he got a lot of money though from that the real Roger Ailes he did didn't he millions of pounds yeah. dollars um, you've probably never seen the TV series Spin City starring Michael J Fox um, but two of the supporting cast of that were Connie Britton and Richard Kind and I was pleased to see them reunite in this film um, for one scene as the lawyers, right? Uh, yeah, he was the he was no no he played um, Rudy Giuliani, uh, the former mayor of New York, who is in fact a lawyer. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And she played um, Roger Ailes' wife. Uh, and yes, Spin City fans such as myself, Michael J. Fox fans, Michael J. Fox fans. Um, yeah, shame he didn't make it. But I enjoyed that scene a lot. Um, I, I compared it with the Big Short earlier. I think the, there's a scene quite early on where Charlie Theron walks around the newsroom pointing out what everything is and what it means, mm. which felt very big, short-like, and then they never did that again. And I thought, I'm not sure that was the best way to tell, to introduce, because she she never addressed the audience again. No, nope, that's true. So I thought that was a bit weird. Um, either do it, I think, either commit to it like you do in the big short, or, or don't do it. Um, well, that's good. I, sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot in this one. But, um, no, it's okay. Uh, one thing I found interesting as, as a Christian myself is that Margot Robbie, very early on in, in her first interviews, uh, says oh, that she's a Christian, that she can connect to the, the, the Jesus audience. I think she, she uses the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, in America, there's kind of right-wing Christianity is, is quite a thing. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen that explored more. Uh, maybe as a Christian, I would have found that I interesting. I guess it wasn't focused on that, though. It wasn't, but I think that if she is a Christian, that is a big part of her life. And I would have thought, is, does she really believe what she's doing? Does she 
see any discrepancy between Christian values and what's happening at Fox News. I mean, leaving aside the leaving aside the um her, the sexual harassment, the kind of the, the stuff she's doing at Fox News. Mm. So you're right; that's not the point of the film. But I would have liked to see uh, that developed a little bit. Okay. Like so, I was just thinking like a lot of things that you wanted to see, um, like I don't know, like I came in from from this from a point of view, like uh, yeah, I'm here, I'm here to see a film about sexual harassment. I got that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I can't argue with that. I suppose. Um, yeah. So um, and 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 they get him, and there are some kind of fist punch, or oh, some some kind of triumphant moments, albeit tinged, as you say, with. Uh, the fact that he got a massive payoff for it, and, and there's, you get this feeling, and the, the culture at Fox has not changed. No, definitely not from that. Yeah, it's just that like all the things that you've you, you mm. you've been telling me, like I I I definitely wasn't thinking about it when I was watching no. this film. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe it's just because like I'm just not 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 accustomed to to the the, the media like like uh, or, or the way they think or the political political leanings yeah. as uh, one yeah. might be. Um, so, yeah, because I, as I say, it's it's a difficult topic to talk about, particularly for you guys. But um, I feel that there's a, this was quite a safe film. I think. Okay. Um, I think that did, was mentioned a lot as well by critics. Was it? Because it, mm. it it didn't it didn't challenge anyone particular. I mean, challenged Fox and it challenged Rupert Murdoch, but um, it didn't. I don't think anyone would have had their minds changed about anything from watching this film. Which maybe that's asking a lot of a film. I don't know, but. It felt like a bit of a missed opportunity in some ways. Okay. What I also thought was a bit odd. So Gretchen Carlson, Nicole Kidman, right at the end says that she signed an NDA and we'll never know about any of this. How, how do we know about this? <laughs> did, I don't know what's going on there. Did, did she break the NDA? She uh, they bought the rights. Hollywood bought the rights. You can't, you can't, you can't buy the rights to a non-disclosure agreement, can you? <laughs> no, you can't. I don't know. I have no idea how it works. <laughs> oh, and then at the end, Margaret Robbie... Um, triumphantly throws her uh yeah i thought that bit was a bit cheesy that was very cheesy yeah i i, I did I, I didn't like that bit a lot <laughs> like why uh, throw throw her her name tag into the bin and then um kate mckinnon just look at her and smile yeah it's it's so cheesy yeah and I, again i'm not entirely sure what point it's trying to make um either because it's a kind of a she's triumphant i think well but you're just you're just quitting is that triumphant i, I don't know i don't know Ah, anyway, they're going to win an Oscar for Best Hair and Makeup. They probably will. Yeah. And nothing else. Um, and we'll probably be forgotten. I don't know if you remember probably... Nah, it'll be better than Mary Queen of Scots, come on. It certainly will be better than, uh, better remembered than Mary Queen of Scots. And I think it might be, remember, when they make lists of the Me Too films, this will be... One of them. It was certainly one of them, but I don't think it's the definitive one, necessarily. Okay. Have, have we talked enough about Bombshell? I think so. We're going to move from an upsetting film to another upsetting film. Yes. Um, so it's our segment, Look Back in Oscar, uh, where we look at films that have won the Best Picture Oscar of the years, and we have gone fairly recently. Ooh, when was this? 2015? Something like that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I wrote at the top of my, my document saying that I'm going to say the word upsetting a lot, because yes. the two films that we reviewed are actually very upsetting films <laughs> for me to yes. watch. Yeah, um, Even, even Miss Americana was quite upsetting if you're a Taylor Swift fan. So um, <laughs> it's been a tough old day. Uh, it's a tough podcast. Why we do for our fans? Yep, yep. Our fans are crying out for this. <laughs> <laughs> More films about sexual harassment and slavery. They say. Uh, so, Twelve Years a Slave, 
Um, I'll, I'll do a talking now to spare you a bit, Colin. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's an adaptation of the 1853 slave memoir by Solomon Northrup. No, I can't pronounce his name. Northrup. Northrup. Um, who is a New York State-born free American, uh, African-American, but was kidnapped in Washington, D.C. by two conmen and sold into slavery. Um, he was put to work on plantations in the state of Louisiana, for 12 years, hence the title, mm-hmm. before being released. Um, so this film was directed by Steve McQueen. It stars Chiwetel Aljo 4, Michael Fassbender, Bandit Cumberbatch, Lupita Nyong'o, and Brad Pitt. Um, it had nine Academy Award nominations, winning Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actress for Lupita, which also put her on a map as well, yes, I think. Yeah, I don't yeah. think she studied anything major before then. No, um, but since then, she's done uh, Star Wars, she's done Marvel, she's done Little Monsters. It's all, uh, it's all go. It's all go. Um, yeah, and the film itself, as I say, it was uh, quite a difficult one to watch. And that's that's why I didn't watch it before, actually. I thought this is just going to be grim. Um, and, and, and you're correct. And not a fun time. And it certainly wasn't a fun time. Um, well, it shouldn't be a fun time, though. Absolutely to be not. Honest. No, you're talking no. about slavery in the 1800s, and the African-Americans back then had a very hard life. Um, yes, even more so than today. Um, yes, it is it is grim. I mean, it's not quite the unrelenting grimness I thought it might be, um, in as much as it's not just him being beaten for two hours, but it is horrific. Um uh, it's it's very very good, isn't it? It's uh, superb performances uh, all around, as well as obviously Chiwetel Ejiofor and Lupita Nyong'o. I thought um, Michael Fassbender was fantastic. Well, I thought Michael Fassbender was brilliant in this film. Yeah, um, yeah was he was- uh, he's he's been in very bad films, and I've seen him acting quite mm. badly in some other films as well. But this one, he's he's just in great. Huh? Yeah, properly terrifying. Um, character yeah very 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 good uh, it was in that period where Sarah Paulson was getting lots of roles I think that stopped now <laughs> she was I like Sarah Paulson though yeah she's alright mm. <laughs> there's one bit that I don't get in the film which okay. I didn't like in the film the the, the beginning so I'm going to start from the beginning it sure. starts in the middle of the film mm. I, I didn't get why you need to do that because so this film is essentially a journey kind of film you follow the, yeah. the, the journey of uh Solomon uh, for this entire 12 years and how much he suffered throughout under the, the, the hands of slavery and all that. There's a directorial choice at the beginning to show, uh, to start the film in the middle, as in you show a clip of... Yeah, uh, just, for, just for a couple of scenes, yeah. Yeah, Solomon when he was already in slavery. And I didn't get that narrative so I, I was thinking the same thing. And I think the reason they must have done it was that I think it was his lowest ebb and they wanted to contrast that with his his kind of positive life before. I think they wanted to show the kind of the best and worst things that happened to him mm. next to each other. I, I think that's why. I, I agree that it was a little, took out of it a little bit because it wasn't like it was even a particularly momentous. Like sometimes you start the film with a, like the huge moment and it wasn't even a particularly huge moment. No, exactly. Like he, he tries to write a letter and then he has sex. But um, yeah, I think I think that must be why it, why it was. Okay. Okay. Oh, I found that a little bit jarring. But otherwise, yeah. I mean, for two and a quarter hours, it it, it keeps it your attention by. fly by very quickly. It did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I was I was engrossed in this whole film. Uh, 
the whole time. I was doing my ironing. I was well. Oh, yeah. I was I was planning to watch this while I was doing my ironing, but I ended up putting off my ironing just to finish <laughs> the film. Cause yeah, you can't you can't be doing something else while watching this, can you? Exactly. So, you you can't take your eyes off it. It's just so. Hmm. Oh, it's just. And so when good. he gets freed, what a great moment! Um, well, even then, it's slightly bittersweet because he has to, he has to leave um, Luke Peter and Younger's character. Uh, spoilers for Twelve Years Live. Um, I did find this because this one, as you say, quite a few Oscars, and then it was the next year or maybe two years afterwards that we had the Oscars so white. Mm. controversy and I think people made the point there that people were happy to give awards to, to um, African American actors if they were playing slaves I thought that was a an odd observe, well, kind of a, a canny observation anyway, if you think yeah. about that so you have Mahashala Ali in uh, Green Book yeah obviously not a slave but yeah victim of racism not, yeah, by, yeah. Uh, victim of racism uh, what about uh, The Help as well yeah yeah Viola um, uh, Davis it was not Wilder Davis who won the Oscar for that, right? What's her name? It was Octavia Spencer. It's Octavia Spencer, yeah. Wilder Davis won it for Fences. Oh, she won Fences, didn't she? Yes, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But obviously, Mahershala Ali also won for uh, Moonlight, which is definitely not about... That's true. That's um, true. ...racism. So, yeah. Well, there, there, there are a few in, in between, but I, I get the point. Mm. Uh, but yeah, very good film. I'm, I'm glad I finally watched it. Thanks to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, me too. Actually, um, it also coincides. I, I've I've also just finished reading Maya Angelou's book. Oh yeah, uh, autobiography. And yeah, one hundred years that that she she was uh, she wrote the book in the nineteen fifties, nineteen forties, and yeah, one hundred years after Solomon's experience, and okay. racism is still rampant. Then it's hundred years. It's crazy. Mm. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> very cheery today. As I say, uh, upsetting day. Yeah, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a happy one. Actually, probably not actually. Um, so uh, next time we switch back to our actor factor segment that we alternate, uh, and we'll be looking at the films of Nicholas Holt, uh, which hopefully we've seen some. We've all seen X Men: Dark Phoenix. We can talk about that. Um, we move on to our final segment, um, <laughs> the quiz. Zijan, you are two up for the year, I believe. Yes, which is very rare. Um, it is uh, it is unusual and I think it might be three after this but here we go uh, quiz on the films written by Charles Randolph as you say writer of Bombshell uh, do you want to kick us off yes question one is a gimme uh, gimme because uh, you've answered this question many times in this podcast already. oh boy okay uh, question one what are the three Academy Award nominations that Bombshell received how long is this method? Um so hair and makeup yep uh, best actress for Charlize Theron yep and supporting actress Margaret Robbie. That's correct. There we go. Um, which of uh, Charles Randolph's films is based on a book by Robert Cormier? Cormier? Cormier. Cormier. Like hmm. I'm glad I. I'm glad I'm not answering it. I wouldn't be able to answer that, and I wrote the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess uh, the interpreter. Uh, no, it's tenderness. Oh, wow. You've gone obscure in this quiz. <laughs> I'm 2 <two> nil down. <laughs> <laughs> Question two. In the big shot, which singer cameoed to give an explanation of CDOs? Collateralized debt obligations. Oh, sorry. There's more. Um, hopefully that was Selena Gomez. There is Selena Gomez. I think she's the only singer who cameoed in it. I, I knew she was in it. But, um, uh, in which US state is the life of David Gale set? Well, now, I'm pretty sure this is more obscure than my <laughs> questions. I think this is gettable. Is it? I think so. Yeah. If you read a, 
anything about this film? No, I definitely haven't. I definitely skipped a lot. Uh, I was like, oh, let's focus on the popular ones because Colin is too down, so <laughs> I have to be kind to him. Generous. <laughs> uh, let's go with California. Uh, it's in Texas, so it's, it's all about the death penalty. So I think Texas uh, is quite, okay. quite famous. Uh, in question three, which disease does Anne Hathaway's character Maggie Murdoch suffers from in Love and Other Drugs? Hmm. Have you seen the film? Nope. Um, I thought you were so, a big Anne Hathaway fan. Not really. Mm. Um, I would say that she probably suffers from... Uh, I'm trying to think of a disease that would not be too um, incapacitating for her in the, during the course of this film. But I'm struggling. Uh, narcolepsy. I don't know. Narcolepsy. <laughs> really? <laughs> narcolepsy. That's my guess. It's Parkinson's. Does she really? Um, question three. Who is the only man who plays himself in the big short? Or indeed, the Ooh. only man who plays himself in the big short? Should, should I emphasize? Oh, that's a good question. It's a very good question. Thank you. Uh, and I don't know the answer. Uh, oh, is it one of the cameos like Anthony Bourdain? It is Anthony Bourdain. Very good. Hey. <laughs> uh, Tricky question. Trick question. Good answer. Uh, cool. Uh, you're not going to like this question. Okay. Question four. What was the name of the made-up language spoken by the made-up Republic of Matobo in the interpreter? Matobian? Nope, it's cool. All right. <laughs> These are the nice questions you wrote for me, were they? <laughs> I give you three nice questions. This is the fourth question. Obviously, it gets harder. I've only got two of them right so far. <laughs> you give me the 70% rule. What was your third question? Parkinson's. Yeah. Um, who directed Love and Other Drugs? I don't know this. That's a nice question. Why do I know this? Yeah, look, clearly I haven't been researching <laughs> as much as I should do. Uh, let me go with... Um, Adam McKay. Uh, good, good guess. Uh, Edward Swick. <laughs> Who you will know from such films as The Last Samurai. Ah. Uh. Not a great film. And Jack Reacher too, I think. But, uh. Question five, um, to secure the win. Here we go, here we go. The Big Shot is the second film based on a Michael Lewis film that Brad, Phil- Brad Pitt produced and starred in. What is the first? Based on a Michael Lewis film? Ma- Michael Lewis built book, sorry. Ah, that right. Brad Pitt produced and starred in. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ooh. Hmm. Well, it's not 12 Years a Slave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although he did produce that. Uh, I'm going to say Moneyball, which I know it isn't, but I'm, I'm running out of ideas. You are correct. I'm correct. All right. I did. I thought that was written by the guy who did the Moneyball stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Ah, a glorious victory, even though I immediately said it wasn't correct. Um, but let's see if you can pull one back. Um, the Interpreter mm. was the first film to shoot inside which New York building? That's the United Nations. Eighteen United Nations, they called it. Headquarters, yeah. But I, I scrape a win. Hey, well done, Colin. Thank you, Zijan. Uh, next time, we are quizzing on the 92nd Academy Award Best Pitch nominees, i.e. the Best Pitch nominees from this year. Okay. Uh, keep we it did fresh. this before. We do this every year, right? We missed it last year, but we have done no. it every other year, I think. Cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, what's our main topic for next time, Zijan? Uh, I, I was thinking about this throughout this entire podcast, and I'm 
thing guessing it's birds of prey it is birds of prey it's all it's all Margot Robbie all the time here on the the Cedars of the Movies oh, it's all Margot Robbie we love Margot Robbie and it's gotten good reviews as well I so know. looking forward to Something it something to look forward to we'll see you then it's very rare bye